Christmas or New Year's, and we don't come back till January 8th, and then we'll wrap this whole series up with a last uh, epiphany uh, lesson, uh, which I'll be leading. But today, we have Karen Woodson, who is going to bring us a lesson uh, out, of, uh, out of Hosea. Uh, Karen needs no introduction. Would you please welcome her? We're insecure. We're afraid. 
and it is very, very hard for us to believe that the creator of the universe and the creator of each one of our beings could possibly love us because we know how screwed up we are and the messes we've created and we know we're not worthy. How in the world could God love us? We always ask, how could God love me? Most of us have absolutely no problem in believing in God, but we struggle <coughs> mightily with having any kind of security in God believing in us. How could God ever, ever possibly desire me? Christmas is the heralding of our God who joyfully, joyfully comes to be with us. God is the one who is pursuing us. We tend to want to try to hide our faces. And God is always in hot pursuit. And the incarnation, Jesus Christ, is our revelation of God's totally scandalous love affair with humanity <coughs> and one of the most passionate illustrations of God's love for humanity is found in the book of Hosea one of our minor prophets who had some incredibly incredibly deep things to teach us God demonstrates his unrelenting love for his people in this very interesting analogy. The northern kingdom of Israel is in its last throes of its heyday and is about to be taken over by Assyria, but good time Charlie is still running the show and the people are having a, a good time. Hosea has been sent to give God's word to the people. Please repent. Please come back to me. God, I love you. Please change your ways and come back to me. God decided to give a very earthbound graphic picture. He knew that just talking wasn't going to work. So this was like reality TV <coughs> he presented. Not only was Hosea commissioned to tell God's word to the people, God tells Hosea, you're going to go get married. And you're going to take to yourself a wife who is basically going to become the whore of all whores in the community and you will love her and you will bear whatever scorn humiliation laughter that comes your way and it will be alright you are going to go through with this well he finds Gomer not Gomer Pyle <laughs> <laughs> I think 
think if the writers of, of that show had ever, you know, had one tiny inkling of what was in the Bible, they never would have given a character the name of Gomer. Anyway, along comes Gomer. Now, we don't know a whole lot about her from what she was like before. She could have been a very sweet, nice, innocent, regular, run-of-the-mill girl. And Hosea marries her. And, well, as things happen, maybe the seven-year itch or whatever, she gets bored, she gets restless, she gets tired. Be aware that idolatry is still now running rampant in Israel. The people have got one foot in their Judaism and two feet in the old Canaanite worship. They want to have all their bases covered. Um, the Canaanite gods were there long before they came, and they figured, mm, maybe there's something to all of this. One of the predominant features of worshiping the Canaanite gods was temple prostitution. Um, fertility was a very important thing, and there were prostitutes of all sorts. Men, women, youngsters <coughs> of both sexes that were hired by the temple priests to perform ritualistic services for whoever wanted to show up. It makes Rome look very tame. Um, they don't know if Gomer decided to become one of the temple prostitutes or if she was just you know, one of the girls that wanted to have fun. And Cindy Lauper channeled Gomer when she <laughs> wrote that song. She knew what that was all about. Um, anyway, Gomer really, really goes off the deep end. And here is poor little Hosea with his wife, who is the talk of the town, the scandal of Israel. And we can relate all of this on a human perspective, that this is God's relationship to the Israelites has been like sacred trust commitment made in marriage and then broken. God is sort of looking as his people have just <coughs> left him and through their idolatry in plain language, we've all become prostitutes. <coughs> and by our lack of faith, that annuls the marriage. <coughs> we have effectively broken our covenant that God made with us. Now, can you imagine knowingly, willfully, marrying someone that you know is going to be unfaithful? You'd be spending the rest of your life with this person, wondering if your children really were your kids. Who, who in the world would ever knowingly set themselves up for a life of this kind of hell? God. God entered into this type of a marriage with his people, knowing full well right up front that his people were going
going to play the role of the whore. Hosea represents God's pursuing constant love, and Gomer, his wife of notorious prostitution fame, represents God's people. And this is not just the Israelites of ancient times, but this is you and me of today. As God's people, we have been created to find life and meaning through exclusive devotion to our one true God. But in the spirit of prostitution, we've sold ourselves out big time to the consumerist Johns on the street. And those Johns have names like materialism and greed. And this is never more obvious in the way that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. It's a celebration of self-focused, hedonistic feasting, of gluttony, and we're oblivious to what God really, really wants from us. What does God want from us? He wants, on Jesus' birthday, and on every day from us is our love. God craves that we return the scandalous love that he gives to us with our own. And we demonstrate our love by how we treat those who are in need. In the book of Matthew, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And a few verses later, he says, And whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Hosea's version of God's scandalous love is really what the meaning of Christmas and the Incarnation <laughs> is all about. Gomer's prostitution and her adultery represents the idolatry of us, God's covenant people. But God, through Hosea, says, Go, show your life, show your love to your wife again even though she is loved by another and she is an adulteress. Love her the way the Lord your God loves the Israelites. Hmm. Just for a moment, let's put ourselves now in little Hosea's shoes. This is complicated. This is hurtful. This is mystifying. Here you are, your spouse, and I love, now these are the author's words. He does not pull any punches with his language and he calls a spade a spade and he tells you exactly what he thinks. Your spouse is living with pimp. She's committed multiple adulteries. She shows absolutely zero interest in you 
and she has never even asked you to come and bail her out of her own self-imposed slavery. Well, who in his right mind would go and purchase her sorry, unrepentant behind from this pimp and then bring her back to his own bed? <coughs> He's thinking to God, you want me to take her back? Make her again the mother of my children? Maybe. Love her as God loves Israel? Are you kidding me? This is beyond the scope of any human imagination and understanding. Most people would long ago have kicked Gomer to the curb. She'd be gone. And yet, this scandalous biblical account testifies to the outrageous pursuing type of love <coughs> that God has for broken us in our broken world. This story of Hosea and Gomer is the very desanitized version of the Christmas story. God loves us and he wants us even when we choose to remain under the influence of unworthy lovers such as greed, selfishness, addiction, deceit, whatever. So, in his pursuing love, God has come to buy us back. The magnitude of this kind of love is truly beyond our comprehension. Now, in the book of Hosea, this setup is really cool soap opera. But we never find out whether Gomer ever did give up her infidelities for good and live with Hosea as a loving wife. The last we ever hear of this situation is uh, that Hosea bought her back. We know that there's this redemption which leads us to believe that she maybe had become one of the temple prostitutes. So he went to the old priest, bought her back, he redeemed her for 15 shekels, some barley, and some wine. Good wine. Get you a lot. In today's economy, 15 shekels, that was less money than it, I had to spend to buy a bar of soap in Israel. So, although a price was paid, doesn't sound like it was a whole lot. Jesus redeemed us. He bought us back from the devil with the payment of his very life. And in doing that, he also took with him all of our sins and he purified us. Now that's redemption. That's being redeemed. We don't learn in Hosea how long Gomer stayed with him and if uh, she ever loved him in return once she went back. 
However, we do know some things from this human lesson about human beings. <coughs> Broken people more easily recognize their need for a savior. And it seems that those who have messed up the most respond with the greatest gratitude for love, for God's relentless love. Only when we realize just how far we've strayed from the one who loves us so deeply and unconditionally can we respond in radical faith. So, how do we practice scandalous love? What does that mean? But the worst kind of a fool, here it is, is the person who believes that God exists but lives their life without taking God's directives seriously. Oh, just like Gomer. It is way too easy to honor God with our mouths while our true worship is at the altar of our own desires. We put ourselves in the place of God, but Jesus reminds us that we can have only one true life devotion. Remember, he says you can't serve two gods. You love one and hate the other. When we passionately pursue God, as God is pursuing us, if we truly, passionately pursue God, and make him our <coughs> defining life center, then everything else will be rightly ordered and fall into the places that God intended. Though we know that we do not deserve it, God has shown us his mercy, and he sent his only son to show us the way back home. Jesus came to this earth as a tiny, hopeless baby, born into humble, scandalous circumstances to redeem and restore broken places, <coughs> broken lives, broken hearts. That is the love we celebrate at Christmas, and it's the kind of love that we are called to show in return. We can have no more of this easy, soft, safe way that we usually show Christ's love to the world at Christmas. No, now it's time for us to be scandalous. Let us pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, Holy God, we thank you so much for never giving up on us. We have given you so much reason to kick us to the curb, for you to turn your back on us, to throw your hands up, and to give up. You pursue us. You love us. You will not let us stay lost. You give us the gift of your grace. You give us the gift of your mercy. You have settled our debts. You have carried away our burdens and you guide us toward yourself 
souls secure. And with you, we are promised eternal life. As Christmas comes, dear Lord, let us keep in the forefront your message of your scandalous love, love that we can't begin to understand. Let us appreciate it. Let us internalize it. Let us live it with each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks.